Welcome to the Spurs Up Show, home of the best Gamecocks content on the internet. The following is brought to you by our friends over at Twisted Tea. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. We're also brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks. Go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use the promo code TSUS to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks is the simplest fantasy game on the market focused around prop total entries. You pick two to six players and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. Prize Picks has no sharks, optimizers, or mass multi-entry. It's literally just you against the projection. They also allow mixed sport entry. So, for example, you can take the over on LeBron, parlay with the under on Mahomes. They've got college sports, pro sports, literally anything and everything you can think of. They have got it over at Prize Picks. They also have a slick, easy-to-use mobile app, both on the App Store and Google Play. They're rated 4.8 stars in the App Store with rave reviews. So many fans and listeners of the Spurs Up show have made tons of money with our friends at Prize Picks, and you should as well. So again, go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com, and when you do, use that promo code TSUS to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Be sure to check them out and tell them that Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Let's get it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. until toe meets leather on the 2023 college football season. 
we chat with a dear friend of mine, someone I was lucky enough to meet for the first time in person at SEC Media Days in Nashville. He's a senior national columnist for Saturday Down South, the host of the SDS podcast. Connor O'Gara joins the show. Connor, appreciate you taking the time, my friend. It is a pleasure to have you on. What's going on? Yeah, good to be here. It was great to be able to meet you in person. I I, I found it weird. I was like, gosh, I guess I hadn't met met you in person. I think it's just because... I see the videos all the time. The algorithm just favors your stuff uh, on, on social media and I'm getting hit up on it. I mean, I follow you guys on Instagram and all that stuff and I follow all your content, but like I had felt like I had, I had met you plenty of times, obviously because coming on the show and stuff, but yeah, it was great to be able to, to meet you, spend some time with you at your first SEC media days. It was uh it was a fun week in Nashville that we got to have. And getting to experience the days with you, Connor, that truly was the highlight of my week. I just want to let you know. And by the way, congrats to you and the major success. The Dan Mullen interview was incredible. I know you guys have some other big ones that. with that the SDS podcast. Let's start, though. You had a really, really big day on Thursday when Shane Beamer spoke at SEC Media Days. You basically hung out with him all day long, documented uh, all of your takeaways. you got a great piece out right now, which I highly suggest people go check out. But you know, going back to that day, was there anything in particular that stood out to you? Again, I'm, I'm sure you got a much, much more, a much closer view than anyone else did. And of course, when you talk about Shane Beamer at the podium, charismatic, full of energy, the media loves this guy. Like he's built for events like SEC Media Days. And you can see the comfort factor from year one to now. Like he just really embraces it. But was, was there anything specifically that maybe surprised you or just main takeaways from your time, your day you spent with uh, Shane Beamer in Nashville? I think there are certain people who don't like Shane Beamer and he rubs them the wrong way because they feel like he is much and they feel like he's maybe over the top or that he's not genuine and that this is all just some some big image that he's putting out there and this isn't who he really is. And I think what you see is what you get with Shane Beamer. And, and I, I think that you see the way that he interacts, not only with the media, which obviously like he, he understands that side of it to a level that I'm not sure a lot of coaches in this sport really do. And the impact that Justin King has had on this program is, is second to none. And, and being able to, to try and show that, that this can be a fun place to play football and, and the way that that is conveyed. I think South Carolina does as good a job at that as anybody in college football. But I think with Shane Beamer, one of the things that people wonder about is like, okay, What's it going to look like when that honeymoon phase is over? Because it looked like that honeymoon phase was over when 38 to six happens in the Florida game and everything that happened there. And then of course, the two games that followed changed perhaps his entire trajectory at South Carolina. And it certainly changed his trajectory going into year three. And he gets asked about that literally every place he goes to like every single place it's Clemson, it's Tennessee. It's what did that do for the momentum of the program? I think he understands that, it was great for the offseason. It's great to go into those booster events and say, hey, we showed that we could beat top 10 teams. We can do this, this, and this. Helps on the recruiting trail. All those things. He's kind of like, look, I can be gone if I don't win football games. Like None of this is going to matter. People will forget about this if I'm not good at my job. And I think there are people who think, that he is not necessarily 100% genuine just because, oh, maybe he's a little bit more media savvy or something like that. I didn't get that impression at all, and I came away thinking even better things about Shane Beamer, and I can totally understand why people like playing for him. Connor, I know Shane Beamer is somewhat tired of being asked about it, and I'm going to ask you as well because we're looking, obviously, we're just a couple weeks away from the start of the 2023 season, but I'm not sure you and I have spoken since the end of last season. Just how – 
astonishing was that to watch South Carolina go from being, by all accounts, dead as a football team after the Florida game to what they did in the final two weeks of the regular season. And then, you know, it's a crapshoot in the bowl game, half your team's opting out, basically. Uh, but the final two weeks of that regular season, Connor, I mean, I look back, I still look at that Tennessee game in amazement. Like, I, I was there in person that night. I still can't believe what happened. Just seven days later, South Carolina to lose by 32 in the swamp and then beat the brakes off a Tennessee team that was destined for the playoff. I mean, it's it's one of the more astonishing seven-day turnarounds I've ever seen for a college football team make. Ever. I mean, truly ever. And I remember watching SEC Nation that morning. I included this in the story that I wrote about Beamer. And I remember watching Marty Smith try and pump up the crowd in Columbia. And it was dead. I mean, it, this like South yeah, Carolina I, fans, I can attest it was dead. Yeah, it like totally like nothing was going to get that crowd fired up. It looked like a chilly morning in Columbia, which I know is the hottest place on earth, as my my colleague Chris Marler always brings up. But it looked pretty bad. And I totally get why. Like you just got whooped 38 to six by a Florida team that's going nowhere. And you feel like your team. Yeah. You've already clinched bowl eligibility. Like what are you really playing for at that point? Other than pride when you're a three touchdown underdog and even South Carolina fans who are as loyal as it gets. And I always say to people, you can get that team coming off a three win season and they're still going to show up the next year, like blasting sandstorm and they're going to be going nuts. And that's what makes South Carolina and such a, a, a an integral, an integral part of the sec and its identity but man that that atmosphere was not conducive to coming back and winning that game I shouldn't say coming back because obviously they're never trailing in that game but bouncing back the way that they did to win that football game it speaks to Beamer though and it speaks to his personality because a lot of coaches in this day and age I think have a tough time keeping their team locked in and focused especially when you're out of the race you're not going to be playing for a conference championship anymore there are more distractions than ever with NIL with the transfer portal with tampering and all these different things and I I don't think it should be forgotten even if the Beamer era doesn't turn out to be some unbelievable success that he had that two-week stretch with a team that was totally locked in and guys who weren't necessarily having the years that they hoped you know a Xavier Leggett a Josh Van these guys who you'd kind of written off you're like ah they were kind of disappointments in the impact that those guys made down the stretch you're just like this is rare, and it felt astonishing because we're not used to seeing someone pull out a a, 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 a moment like that. And South Carolina had two weeks that I, I think Gamecock fans should appreciate forever. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? 
You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Connor, a big part of that, Spencer Rattler, his performance down the stretch was something that, again, nobody saw coming, right? Six touchdowns against Tennessee. He had the heroics against Clemson, the way that he personally was able to bounce back and overcome a, a pick six early in that game, a, a terrible interception in the end zone. That that game, I felt like, Connor, that defined who and what Spencer Rattler is. Like, you got to live with that bad to get all the good he provides, provides, a.k.a. a 72-yard touchdown pass to Juice Wells, puts his shoulder down, you know, gets in the end zone, if you will. So now we turn to this year, and, and while there were question marks and there was a mixed bag of feelings about Spencer Rattler going into last season – I feel like there might even be be more of that going into this year because you saw this guy in those last three weeks be one of the best quarterbacks in college football, but you can't forget about the first 10 games in which he was just flat out abysmal. Let's call it for what it is. When you look at Spencer Rattler's game, I know it goes far beyond him. We got to talk offensive line, receivers, tight ends, running game, weapons to help him. But like, what do you see? How do you view his game and what are you expecting from Spencer Rattler this year? It's interesting that um, last year he had the the struggles that he did, I thought, throughout the first two months, really, of the season where we're kind of like, yeah, this is the reason why this guy got benched at Oklahoma. I would point to the fact that Caleb Williams was really, really good, and Oklahoma fans had a different standard of what their quarterback was compared to anywhere else in the country outside of maybe Alabama, and that definitely led to – his early benching when you kind of look back at some of his numbers at Oklahoma and you're just like, Oh, this guy wasn't as bad as people realize, but people nationally want to hate Spencer Rattler because of the Netflix show. And they want to continue to, to paint this picture of him that look, I got an impression of him at media days internally from them. That is just so different than what the outside world sees. And there's a reason why as Shane Beamer referenced many times throughout his day in Nashville, this guy was voted a captain when he decided to come back for that fifth season of college football. And I I think that you have to accept the good with the bad. He's never going to be a mistake-free quarterback. He's just not like, even if you look at the, some of the throws that he made against Clemson against Notre Dame, those mistakes are going to be there that you just have to accept that if, and if you're the person that is anti-Rattler, you'll jump on those moments and say, this is why this kid just is never going to fully get it. I think you have to look at him a little bit like he's Jay Cutler. Okay. Like that's, that's the comp I've been making for, for a while for him. And it's interesting now that his coordinator is Dow Loggins, who Dow Loggins is somebody that Jay Cutler went to bat for. And was like, this guy 
was was somebody that that I I found great success with with the Chicago Bears and had his best statistical season 2015 when he was of course the Bears quarterbacks coach and I think you have to take the good with the bad with him I don't think it's realistic to think that he turned the corner based on what he did in those two games to lead South Carolina to those victories but I do think that you should expect more great moments from him I, I think he does things that you just can't teach like you just can't teach some of the throws that he makes I hope the offense is a little bit more simplified I think we get better moments from him and juice wells this year early on you know as opposed to just kind of the arkansas game or just the vandy game like we had last year and we see this guy take another step and maybe he's not an all sec quarterback but is he going to be one of the better quarterbacks in this conference i believe he will be connor juice wells is a great place to start as you mentioned in the passing game i know trey knox the guy you've made me look really smart by the way with your statistic i think i've mentioned that about 10 different times now about trey knox no touchdowns against power five competition since October of 2021, I would expect that to change rather quickly, by the way. Let's talk running game specifically, though, and not just the offensive side. It is, you know, it's not the sexiest thing to talk about, line of scrimmage, offensive line, defensive line, but you know as well as I do, Connor, it's what this league is built off of. If you can't run the ball, you can't stop the run, you're going to have trouble winning football games. And for whatever reason, South Carolina last year, finishing outside of the top 100 nationally, running the ball, and stopping the run. When you factor that in, Connor, the fact the Gamecocks won eight games. And, oh, by the way, Shane Beamer pointed this out at Media Days. They led the SEC in turnovers. They were the worst at turning it over. Couldn't stop the run. Couldn't run the ball. They won eight games anyways. It's it's just wild to me. And I, that's probably my biggest question mark, Connor, for this football team is, do they improve in those areas? I, I don't have unrealistic expectations when it comes to generating a run game with the running back position being what it is, although they feel confident in it. But I think you have to have realistic expectations, losing Marshawn Lloyd, on Joiners now having to shoulder that load and the rest of that room as well. And then the defensive front, I mean, you lose Zach Pickens, you lose Jordan Birch off the edge. How much can you improve there? But if they can just make slight improvements in those areas – I mean, what this means for this or what that means for this football team is immeasurable. Just talk about the struggles there, I guess, in running the ball, stopping the run for South Carolina. I guess how they're able to overcome it. They haven't ranked in the top 90 in either of those two categories, running the football or defending the run in the first two years of the Shane Beamer era. And the turnover stat, yeah, like it's pretty amazing to think that they have won seven games as an underdog. They've won four games as a double-digit underdog all of which came after came in the month of November or later. I mean, that is truly remarkable. That's finding other ways to win. That's Beamer ball. I know that. Well, I don't know if I got to pay you a royalty for saying that or whatever, <laughs> but um, look, I think that there are, there are, there are different ways for South Carolina to be able to win football games. And obviously special teams is a big part of that. When you can force turnovers the way that they have that that's huge, but they need to flirt with mediocrity. They need to flirt with mediocrity to be a more consistent team. I think that's the biggest thing that Shane Beamer wants to see this year is week to week consistency. It shouldn't be, Oh man, like you look as bad as they did against Florida. And then a week later you put together a game that was like a game in which you're simply untouchable. I mean, on the offensive side, like their, their only touchdown the week before was, was a, was a, was a punt, uh, a fake punt. I mean, that's, like, of course, South Carolina would have a lone touchdown in a game like that on a fake punt. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think that you need to get better in that area. And there's a lot of pressure on this very atypical running back room that they have. And and Joyner leading the way as someone who has meant so much to that program. I'll sing that guy's praises 
forever with his loyalty and his willingness to to play a variety of positions for that program to me is like th- that's the type of stuff that that we need to be talking about in college football but I do think it's a massive question mark and losing Marshawn Lloyd, someone who I thought was going to be at this point of his career representing South Carolina at SEC media days. And instead he's off to the other USC and and could have success there playing behind Caleb Williams. But yeah, man, it it needs to improve. You need to be able to flirt with mediocrity. If you're going to be as bad as they've been, you're not going to be a consistent team in this league. They have to establish that part of their game one way or another. The Spurs up show is brought to you by our friends over at twisted T. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made with real brewed tea and packs a flavorful punch with 5% alcohol and no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up any occasion, especially when you're cheering for your favorite team. Whether you're tailgating in the stadium parking lot, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home, Twisted Tea is there to elevate the game day experience. It perfectly complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experiences. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun, and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. Now, Connor, on the defensive side, you know, I mentioned that front seven. You do get Jordan Strawn and Mo Caba back from injury at the defensive end and linebacker position, respectively. But the secondary, really, South Carolina's bread and butter has been the first two years. Same Expected to be the same yet again this year. Losing Cam Smith and Darius Rush to the NFL hurts, but Marcellus Dial, who led them in interceptions last year, he slides into – that number one corner spot, and then O'Donnell Fortune, the other corner who had a 100-yard pick six in that bowl game against Notre Dame. And then, of course, two of the best safeties in the SEC, Nicky Mawari, DQ Smith. It still blows my mind Nicky Mawari was not on a preseason all-SEC team, but that's neither here nor there. When you look at South Carolina defensively, being opportunistic is what they've made a living on. And it's not something we're kind of like, I'm taking away. Like, it's, you know, people will label turnovers as luck, but to a degree – It is right place, right time, although it's also coaching, skill, talent, whatever. So you look at this defense. Of course, slowing down the run is the key. What other things do you like? What are you most intrigued to see from this South Carolina defense this season? And I think what's interesting, Connor, is you have to factor in, you're breaking in two new corners. The way you start the season against Drake May and UNC, they're going to throw the ball over the yard. Carson Beck and Georgia and that crop of receivers. You got Will Rogers and Mississippi State. I know they're not air raid anymore, but – It's still Will Rogers. And then Joe Milton in Tennessee, it's no secret there. So, you know, while the secondary is the strength, in my opinion, Connor, that's going to be the unit that's tested more than any because you've really got some big-time quarterbacks, some high-flying offenses, and you can't afford to get off to a slow start. Yeah, they've been really good against the pass. I mean, they they have been in all the turnovers forced. I mean, they were locked, like locked down corners, like that that people probably don't realize nationally that that South Carolina has had these last few years. And that position has just been like one of the things that you could just rely on having that number one guy. And what does that look like this year? Do they have that number one guy? Yeah, the the Nick Eamon worry thing, um, it, it baffles me. It, it truly baffles me. I had him as a first-team guy in, in the SEC, and I think that people 
overlooked the fact that he led all FBS freshmen in solo stops. He had 62 of those last year. And at his size, I think they're going to continue to add more to his plate and what he's capable of. And he's not going to be considered, I mean, he's not considered like a safety, I guess, or whatever with, with the way that he plays and him playing closer to the line of scrimmage, maybe is going to be a way that you can kind of answer some of those questions on the defensive line that they have. But you have to be able to establish those lockdown corners and South Carolina has had that and having someone like Cam Smith, who you just, you just know, like you see the, the, the game that he has against Jalen Hyatt. Like that guy just is not scared. Even though Jalen Hyatt like made a couple of plays in that game. And I remember talking to Cam Smith about this during the pre-draft process. He's just like, yeah, I was going to make sure he wasn't going to get anything yak. I was going to be John back and forth. And I knew that I was going to be in a matchup unlike any I had had all year because Jalen Hyatt played mostly out of the slot and he was just, pretty much going to be shadowing him all game. Do you have that dog? Do you have that dog on your defense? You need to find him because if not, you're right. That, that, that first part of the schedule can really expose you. And that's an issue that could plague South Carolina. It could prevent them from me feeling like they have any sort of sec East chance, you know, by mid October. Connor, how entertaining is it? Or, you know, there are many adjectives you can use, in regards to Beamer Ball, and so you're watching South Carolina on a week-in, week-out basis, and you're like, okay, I know about Beamer Ball. It, it, they're using it to win games, but at some point, coaches are going to make adjustments. They're going to catch up. They're they're going to be able to neutralize special teams, and, and this isn't going to be a facet of the game that South Carolina is able to steal. How, I mean, just like, what are your thoughts watching this? It's just like a week-in, week-out basis. They are just able to find ways, whether it's, Kai Kroger throwing a touchdown pass. It's a blocked punt. It's a blocked field goal. You look at the Clemson game, it's Clemson fumbling a kickoff. It's it's Kai Kroger having the game of his life, pinning them inside the five-yard line multiple times. I mean, when you speak on Beamer Ball, and I know it's something where we'll see this year if they can continue to sustain that, but I mean, the fact that South Carolina, you talk about winning seven of 15 games, seven of Shane Beamer's 15 wins, they've been an underdog. I got to believe a large piece of that is because they're able to steal that facet of the game that is special teams. Your thoughts just on the impact that Beamer Ball has had thus far for South Carolina and what it's meant for them. Yeah, I listened to to Shane describe Beamer Ball, and I think a lot of us largely associated with special teams because, yeah, it, it does feel like a very special team-centric thing. We know that Shane was a special teams coordinator, and if you ask him about not being a coordinator at the FBS level, um, he'll remind you he was indeed a special teams coordinator. That's something that he takes a lot of pride in, and understandably so, because it's been such a big part of his family's coaching legacy. And I think that hearing him describe Beamer Ball as, no matter who's on the field for your team, you have the ability to score points. That's what this comes down to find unique ways to be able to score. And that's, that, that, that's having guys who truly buy into that side of the ball. Like, I, I don't think you can create that. I, I don't think that that's as simple as, Oh, we're going to practice special teams and everybody's going to ce- celebrate if we do this, this, or this. I, I think that's somebody who understands really what goes into that process and knowing that you need full buy-in. This can't be as simple as like, Oh, this, 
you know, there, there are a few guys who really get into it and practice and are really obsessed with, oh, this punt or, or, or being able to, to return this, you know, th- this interception for a touchdown. Like you have to have that culture established and, and Shane Beamer absolutely does. That'll never be a question. You know, what does it look like if they actually miss a kick this year? Or what does it look like if they don't necessarily have uh, a kickoff return for a touchdown, to open a big game like Texas A&M, like, what do those moments look like if that isn't there, if that isn't relied on? I don't even know if we could say that because that's just been such a constant and it keeps guys dialed in, man. Like late in the season, when you have that type of coach who understands the ways that you need to be able to, it's like manufacturing runs in baseball. You know, it's like you're manufacturing points in football and finding unique ways to do that. That has been a specialty of this team and it's fun to watch. And you just kind of expect it at this point. You just kind of expect to see South Carolina is going to find a unique way. I think they would rather have more rushing touchdowns like they would rather have more big plays to juice wells in this receiving group i think they would much rather see like conventional ways to score but i I think that they'll take that all day and you just assume that it's going to be a staple of this program connor year three is one that you know is is talked about as being really important for coaches that you know if if they're gonna pop year three is the year they have to make that big jump would you agree or disagree? And what do you feel like that looks like for South Carolina? You know, I, I'm someone that I think the goal this year for the Gamecocks in year three of Shane Beamer, when you factor in the question marks and the schedule, by the way, you know, I think getting back to eight wins would be a massive achievement. Anything more than that is is gravy and Beamer should be in conversation for, for coach of the year. I even think it's seven and five, Connor, like you mentioned, if you show more consistency and, and you're able to, to make it a fight with Georgia and and not have those head scratching losses like 38 to six to Florida or just laying an egg against the Missouri Tigers. Even if you go seven and five, I think you could look at that season as okay. We laid more building blocks for what we're doing here in Columbia. You're just overall thoughts on that. I mean, is there a way that you define success for the Gamecocks in 2023? Yeah, I don't think all seven win seasons are created equally. I, I I think that there are certain things that South Carolina needs to be able to do, a couple of which you just hit on. Being more competitive against Georgia so that it's not just Georgia and everyone else in the SEC East, which it is until further notice. But having those moments in which you're not really questioning how how low the floor is. I think that's the biggest thing that they want to establish this year. you got to end the Mizzou streak. That that is so important. I don't think the the average fan realizes that it's a four game losing streak to Mizzou and how quickly that needs to be turned around. But like in addition to that, avoiding those just absolute dud performances. It's great that you've had the the two top ten wins, the the four wins as double digit underdog. But being able to show that you can be a more steady. Hey, we're going to be at at least near somewhat near the top of the SEC East standings. I think establishing that this year is huge. And you can do that going eight and four. You know, you can do that by not necessarily, even if you don't beat Tennessee for a second consecutive year, even if you don't, you know, stay within a touchdown of Georgia, you can do these things that I think make you feel good about year three of the Shane Beamer era. I think the stat that I've looked up earlier, it's like 80% of coaches who appear in their first SEC championship game have done so by the end of year three. And it's really, really rare to see someone do that post year three. Now, of course, one of those examples is Spurrier, obviously at South Carolina, but it is one of those rare things. And I don't know that we're talking about SEC championships anytime soon for South Carolina. That doesn't seem realistic this year, obviously. 
But to to establish that floor, that's the biggest thing. You got to avoid those duds. You can't have moments in which you're like, man, I don't know when our next win is coming. And when you look at that schedule, I think being able to avoid those duds and and look more like a contender against the those those quality opponents on your schedule, that's the biggest thing for the Gamecocks this year. So, Connor, let's zoom out and look at the entire SEC East. I think it's safe to say Georgia at number one. That's that's not a hot take, like you mentioned, until proven otherwise. Back-to-back national champions, they're favored to do it yet again. Vandy in the seven spot, although although we could have an argument because of what the Florida Gators may be this year. Two through six, though, is it, kind of just wide open, anybody's game. Where do you see South Carolina fitting in, and how do you see that shaking out in the SEC East? I'm second. I have them second. Um, and look, I, I think I told you that like Monday of SEC media days. You're like, really? Okay, didn't know that. Yeah, um, you can poke holes in every single East team. Uh, and I will right now. Kentucky, could it be one of those years? Maybe. Look at the last five games of that schedule and tell me that that team is going better than two and three in that stretch, a stretch which includes home games against Alabama and Tennessee, includes road games against three teams that won at least eight games last year, Mississippi State, South Carolina, Louisville. That's a really, really difficult schedule to end with for a team that we're kind of questioning their depth and what that's going to look like. Tennessee, you mean to tell me that Tennessee is just going to pick up where it left off and have another 10-win season, which was their best season in 19 years after losing their best quarterback of the post-Peyton Man era losing a Bolitnikoff award winner in Jalen Hyatt losing a day two receiver in Cedric Tillman a top 10 overall pick in Darnell Wright I don't think that Josh Heupel as great of an offensive mind as he is is just going to pick up where that team left off with a guy who in year six has yet to hold down a starting job in Joe Milton so I don't think Tennessee is at that level just yet South Carolina all the issues that we've already outlined and all the questions that we have asked about this team and yet they have still found ways to win football games and win football games late when seemingly nothing is there to play for. And that's the biggest thing that I come back to is, yeah, I think that they have issues in the trenches and that could prevent them from really looking like a true top 25 team for the entirety of this season. But do I think Spencer Rattler is going to get better with Dahl Loggins? I do. Do I think Juice Wells is one of the best receivers in all of college football? A guy who led the SEC in catches in the, or in receiving yards in the, the second half of games last year. I think he's like top three in FBS in that category. Yes, I do. I think he gets better. Do I think this running game put together with a little bit of scotch tape finds a way to stay afloat? Yes, I do. And do I think Beamer Ball still exists for this team? And do I think they have a potential to have a couple of all SEC guys on that defense? I absolutely do. So. You could poke holes in South Carolina all day, but give me the team that has risen above those expectations. It has shown that it can overcome those weaknesses the way that South Carolina has a team that's extremely well coached, which we know to be the case. And I'll, I'll put my, my chips on that team as opposed to any other in the East. And you'll notice that I didn't mention Florida, probably not good when you're going into a season with maybe the 14th ranked quarterback in the sec and Graham Mertz. So yeah, that's kind of where I stand with South Carolina second in the East Maybe that'll come back to bite me. And look, I'll admit, last time I followed a coach at SEC Media Days was Joe Moorhead 2019. <laughs> Joe Moorhead was fired at the end of year two. Didn't exactly work out for my guy. So if I end up, you know, being the the beginning of, of Shane Beamer getting fired at the end of year three, I will never follow a coach again. I will be the true kiss of death. <laughs> the kiss of death, indeed. Connor Roguera says Gamecock second in the SEC East. Connor, 
Let's jump to the SEC West for fun. Who was your pick to take the West, of course, between Bama, LSU? Texas A&M might have something to say as well in regards to, you know, making some noise and ruining somebody's hopes and dreams. We know they have the talent. Will the Jimbo Fisher, Bobby Petrino thing work? You've now got Hugh Freeze at Auburn. Of course, K.J. Jefferson, who I know you love. You guys had on the show. He's at Arkansas with Rocket Sanders. Of course, Ole Miss and what Lane Kiffin do. It gives everybody headaches. And then Zach Arnett at Mississippi State, a really intriguing year one. I think State might even be being slept on a little bit when you have Will Rogers at quarterback and that pair of fantastic linebackers they have. How do you shake out the SEC West? And I think most importantly at the top, is it LSU or is it Alabama? Bama. And I admit there, there are fewer questions with LSU, the defending West champs. Have your quarterback situation figured out. You have – the one of three teams in the SEC who returns both its offensive coordinator and starting quarterback. That's a positive last I checked. And for a team that rose very, very, I, I think in my opinion, like was well above expectations of what I thought LSU was going to be. I thought they were going to be seven and five last year to think that they were West champs and beat Bama year one of the Brian Kelly era is truly amazing. If they get Mason Smith healthy for an entire season, he's got the best chance to be Jalen Carter 2.0, but I have Bama just because this feels like the the year in which doubting Bama is dumb. It just does. And you can look back at the last three times that Bama wasn't picked to win the SEC, 2009, 2012, 2015. Bama won the SEC those years. They won a national championship. And yeah, I get it. You have questions, and we should. It's a team that's 125th in the country in percentage of returning production, the great stat that Bill Connolly puts together every year for ESPN. And you see – the questions that we have a team that is played in these one score games, six of nine power five games were one score games in the fourth quarter last year for Alabama. They don't have that step on your throat mentality that we're used to seeing from, from all Nick Saban teams really. And to think that this year's team though, is just going to fall off and drift into nine and three territories. Ridiculous. I think we're asking too many questions. We're sleeping on this defense, which could be a vintage Alabama defense with Kevin Steele leading the way. I think the ground game is going to be second to none. One of my bold predictions is that Jace McClellan is going to lead the sec in rushing this year. I think they get back to that joyless murder ball and they play with a chip on their shoulder. I think they, they ultimately win the West I actually don't have a beating LSU though. I have LSU winning that matchup this year, but Bama still being able to win the division and get back to an sec championship going 11 and one and kind of putting some of those dynasty is dead talks to bed at least for now connor o'gara saturday down south one of the best in the business connor last thing before i get you out of here does georgia make it three straight national championships become the first team to do so since the early 1930s yeah, shout out to Ed Woodseth, 1936 Minnesota. Um, they called him Big Ed. He weighed 220 pounds. People don't know that. But yeah, I, I don't think they do. And I think they have a 10-point lead at halftime of the national championship. And then Mike Bobo shows up. And all of a sudden, we're like, oh, man, this is why he's not Todd Munkin. And you see the, the offense tighten up. You see the play calling come into question. And Ohio State gets revenge on Georgia after Georgia had no business winning that game in the Peach Bowl game that I that I witnessed and Ohio State finds a way to come back and win a national championship. But um, I do think that Georgia gets there undefeated. I think that they have all the pieces in place to be able to make that happen despite this offseason that is 
left a lot of people wondering if the focus is really in the right place. But I'm a Carson Beck believer. I think he gets to New York and represents the SEC at the Heisman Trophy ceremony. Um, I, I think that we see a lot of great things from this offense, which is just loaded at receiver. I think Georgia has its second thousand yard receiver in program history. That's right. They've only had one in program history. I think Lad McConkey does that this year. I love the addition of Dom Lovett from Mizzou. But yeah, I think this Georgia team has weaknesses and its weaknesses is in the form of an offensive play caller. I don't think that we can just assume that five-star talent wins out every single time. If you look at the play callers with total autonomy on their, on their side of the ball, who have won a national championship in the playoff era, Mike Bobo doesn't fit that bill. And I think he ends up being the reason that Georgia doesn't win a national championship and doesn't make it three in a row. Winning three in a row is tough, man. There's a reason that this hasn't been done since the first term of the FDR administration. Okay. Like this is really, really hard. And I think Georgia comes up, maybe one half short of being able to get that done. Ohio State is the pick for Connor O'Gara. Connor O'Gara, Saturday on South. Connor, appreciate you taking the time, my friend. Let's definitely do it again soon. Absolutely. Appreciate it, man.